Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I just believe people are going to be getting healed all through the service today. So you just keep yourself open and you'll, you'll, you'll just experience. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to Revelation, the second chapter and verse 8. We're going to talk about the second church. And uh, I told uh, one of the teens I was going to try to get through six uh, churches this Sunday, and they laughed at me. I said, well, you didn't do a very good job last week. Well, all right. So this, uh, this week we're going to jump into second, the second church, and it begins in Revelations, the second chapter, verse 8, down through 11. It is the church of Smyrna. And it says, and to the angel, which is the man or woman that God has set in the church, in the assembly, in the church of Smyrna, write these things, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear not of them, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Ten days is a fullness of time. But thou be thou faithful unto death. Well, that wasn't too good a news. And I will give thee the crown of life. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, this is the plural. And that he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Remember that this is John the Revelator. He is awakening or been set, as it were, as a watchman into the church, the seven churches of Asia. The seven churches of Asia were preached to in Acts, the 19th chapter, right after the miracle of the seven sons of Sceva. And then it says in 2 Timothy that all of the churches that heard the gospel in, 40 year, in a 40-year period of time, Paul said they had all forsaken him. So now what we have in the book of Revelations is Jesus rising from the dead and calling the churches, the seven churches of Asia, to repentance. And so John is, as it were, a watchman because a watchman would declare what he would see. And Jesus told John the Revelator in the first chapter, speak or write that which you have seen, that which you do see, or that which will be, that which is now, and that which is to come. So John writes in three stages. The first stage is who Jesus is. He that was dead but now is alive. He sees him in his glory. He unveils him to us. The second thing that he reveals is the now, the condition of the seven churches. Now remember that the word of God is always revealing the present or the past tense, revealing the present, and speaking of the future. In other words, every word of God is relevant for every generation and for every individual. When people say, oh, the word of God is not relevant, that's the language of idiots. Idiots. Not relevant. 
righteousness and redemption is relevant or why would you preach any of it? Amen. This is a life book. It is the word of life. Amen. And so John begins to speak to the churches. And we see here in the second chapter, and we look down at uh, verse 11, it says that the Spirit of the Lord saith to the churches. It's not just one church. When he speaks to one, he's speaking to them all. And so we begin to unveil what John the Revelator is saying to the churches that you and I are a part of today. Notice that Jesus recognizes, I know thy trials and thy tribulations. In other words, there are always going to be churches, or churches are going to go through time periods of struggle. They're going to go from struggles that are within and struggles from without. But what we cannot do is surrender just because trouble is knocking on the door. Could I get an amen? Some people have no core of loyalty to anything unless it's personally or directed to their self. What is that? That is, they will be lovers of their self. Look, when we come into churches, when we come into the house of God, we don't come in as takers. We come in here as contributors. Could I get an amen? Listen, takers are parasites. They feed off of living organisms. But we, the church, have been set by God. And it's not somebody's church. People tell me all the time, oh, I attend your church. I said, really, I don't have one. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, yeah, yeah, Bakins. Well, Bakins is not my church. Bakins has an entity of itself. And it belongs to the people. It will be here when I go. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to steal the Bible I had and a couple of nice ink pens. But besides that, I'm not taking anything. I am leaving this place when I retire. Now, I will attend as a member. But I will not and never have been owner of anything now I have risked everything so that it could be built but I have not owned anything I don't own anything here and I own nothing at home what am I I'm just a wandering wandering man hallelujah but God takes care of me but realize this church is an organization. It is recognized that it exists for the well-being of one thing, the appropriation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this nation, to a community, and to the world. That is why it exists. It cannot prosper or promote one individual above what the government deems necessary or deems legal or fair. And so... When people say, oh, you just get to do what you want. In your dreams, in your dreams, I'm answerable to a board here. I'm answerable to a board that is, is, has uh, members in all different states. I am answerable to my wife. I'm answerable to God, and I'm answerable to my own conscience, and none of them are worth violating for a few pennies. Well, what if you steal? Listen, I stole better when I was a sinner. I haven't ever stole since I've been a Christian. But if I wouldn't steal, I wouldn't steal from people that might find out. I'd steal from others. I'd be one of them ushers taking that money out. That's what I'd be doing. But they keep me from it. So, 
There are going to be people that have hard times. Somebody say hard times. But only the weak abandon ship when they see a leak. Some people don't have stomach to fight for anything that has any value or longevity. Amen. Absolutely. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Jesus says that they are those in the church. Somebody say in the church. That say they're Jews, but they're not. In other words, if we could bring it into today. In other words, there are people that are in our congregations that say they are Christians and they are not. There are people who have confessed Jesus as Lord of their lives, but because of the work of Satan in their life, they have withdrawn from their first commitment, their first love, their first priority. Yeah, let's look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and look at verse 25. Matthew 23, 25. See, when Christians come in, they are so on fire. But remember that the Bible says that the God of this world hath blinded them, lest they see the glorious gospel of Christ. Well, do you know he's still in the blinding business? Absolutely. That's why it's always good to have people around you that see stuff that you don't. A man that refuses to be counseled by others is a man that is so steeped in blindness he will fall off the cliff and lead everybody else with them that comes. Amen. And then it says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, woo! Ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within ye are full of extortion and excess. Next verse. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, and the outside of them may be clean also. In other words, it reveals to us that when we see people's hearts or when we see their lives being contrary to the gospel, contrary to assembly life, contrary to a love walk with Christ, a contrary to a passion for the Lord, what we have to realize that on the inside is in a worse condition than the life that they are expressing. And so Jesus says this. He said, look, they make clean the outside. In other words, they look good. Now, people would say, you mean they're telling me that there are people in our church that are not Christians? Yes. They have confessed Jesus Christ. Oh, some of you say, oh, my God, that's, I hope it's not me. Well, you get a chance to judge yourself. I, I'm not going to judge you. You tell me if you're a Christian. Only you can say, I've given it all to Jesus. Only you can say, I love him above mother, father, home, brother, sister. Only you can tell me if you love him with all your heart, your might, your strength, your soul. Only you can determine that it's his will over your will. I can't determine that. Only you can determine that. So this simply means that sometimes Christians, when they go through things, accumulate things, or they get away from there where they once were. And the reason that that happens is that too many Christians judge themselves by somebody else's standard. 
See, we are not to compare ourselves among ourselves. In other words, no other believer is a yardstick for your righteousness. Why? Because God gives you personal convictions. I'm sure that there are things that you may be doing that I simply could never do in good conscience before God. And I'm sure that I'm doing things that maybe you would say, oh, I just could never do that. Well, that's because God's not called you to walk in my shoes. And God's not called me to walk in your shoes. Remember that one could eat meat and one cannot eat meat. So there are personal convictions that govern us and that call us to measure ourselves whether we're right with God or not. But sometimes people look at other people and say, well, they're doing that. I'm not doing that. But then the whole attitude of how you look at your brother is one of the root causes of why you're not where God wants you to be. But see, we use these. Well, you know, I, I go to you. I wonder why those people don't show up on Sunday, on Wednesday night. I show up there every Wednesday. Man, oh, man. You know, that religious attitude forgets that people work on Wednesday nights. Now, I will, I will resign to agree with you that most people don't work on Wednesday night and they're just too lazy to get out. I understand that. And I also understand that, you know, sometimes kids get sick or kids got this or kids got... I understand all that. And so I don't judge anybody whether right or wrong, whether they show up for Wednesday night. You know, it seems like the only time Phyllis wants to get frisky is on Wednesday night. I should be missing every Wednesday night. Moving right along. <clears throat> but instead of judging ourselves by the word, somebody say by the word. Instead of measuring ourselves by the individual that God reflects in Scripture to us, we many times lean to the failures or the inabilities or the immaturities of others to locate ourselves as better. What is that? That is where the devil finds his seat. And what happens is he begins to change us. Every Pharisee and every Sadducee in those two scriptures we read never started out being a hypocrite. That began to be learned by what they were doing and trial and error that if they would say something and others would agree on them, then they would start migrating to different manners of life. But when they first became a convert to Judaism or to Pharisee or Sadducee, they were gung-ho and passionate. But pretty soon it just turned to mere religion. Church attendance, synagogue showings. But there was no involvement. There was no doing anything for God, no reaching out to anybody or anything else. They were just hypocrites. Now, when Satan starts doing that kind of work on people, you say, what, what, doesn't he lead them out? Oh, no, no, no. Jesus said, I know where Satan's seat is and those people that are in the church that says that they are Jews are really born of the assembly or the synagogue of Satan. In other words, they have adapted to his influence and they're still sitting in the church thinking they belong to me. 
God uses, God, the devil uses people like that. We are warned over and over. Jude told us, Jude 3 on down says, look, you got to contend for the faith because there are people sneaking in that when they get in, they live a chameleon life and all of a sudden they weren't dedicated to the Lord at all. They were instruments of the devil to destroy the assembly. There are people that John dealt with in 3 John, like Demetrius. I tell you what to do. Yet Demetrius comes along and says, oh no, we're going to do it this way. What's John got to do with us? We are believers too. We have a voice and we have this. They forgot that John was the father and the apostle of that church. And people listened to Demetrius. And John was disappointed. I've I've, I've commissioned you to walk in obedience to the commandment of the Lord. But you're adhering to Demetrius. I said, love the brethren. He said, reject them. And you reject them. Now listen, I'm not John the revelator, but I am Peter the pastor. If people don't agree with me, come and tell me. But don't talk behind my back because you'll defile yourself and the person that listens to you. And if you're listening, shame on you. The Bible says don't receive an accusation against an elder except in the presence of one or two witnesses that were there when the incident took place. And half the people that talk, talk out of half of their mind. They don't know me. Well, I had lunch with Pastor Dosek. So have lots of roaches in Chinese restaurants. I don't mean you're my friend. Well, I went to his house. You come to my house and help me pull weeds. You're not my bosom buddy. I'm not doing, I'm trying to make a point. Is that you can't believe everything that any, everybody says. If you're going to listen to a story, grab them by the ear and bring them to me so I can tell you if it's true or not. But see, Christians are gullible and the devil sets people like that in a congregation and guess what they do listen Peter said they're clouds without any water hallelujah Satan uses these people, he doesn't drive them out of the church. He really entices them to stay active in the church. Come on. Hallelujah. And then let's look at verse 11. In Revelations 2:11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Remember, what's being said to one is supposed to be said to the other. Now, how do we deal with things that take place in the church like that? Then what you have to do is you have to deal. Remember, Jesus said this, I know that you hate those that say they're Jews and they're not. And that is to be the attitude of every Christian towards anybody that is trying to sow discord Stop vision, stop purpose, or bring cliques or groups into an assembly. They are to be rebuked. Why? Because it's sin. 
it's sin. And if, if it's in leadership, then you have to understand that if it's an elder, you rebuke him openly, that others may learn not to sin. One of the things the church has shunned is correction. Is correction. And we have to adhere to the government of God, not to the government of our senses. Amen? All right. So, then we realize that in verse 10, if you look at verse 10, it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and that ye shall have tribulation. Ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. That tells you how long your walk lasts till you die. And then it says this, and will give a crown of life. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the crown of life, the crowns, the rewards of being faithful and overcoming. Now remember that Jesus spoke in the first part of the second chapter that people that were lukewarm, they had left, the, I'm sorry, had left their first love, that they needed to repent. If they didn't, there was going to be no reward. Every believer is rewarded for his deeds. He does not work for his salvation, but he does work because of his salvation. You can measure a person's love by their activity for the one that they are joined to. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians and let's go to the third chapter in verse Eight. No, wait, I'm sorry. I think that's 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. You go to 2 Corinthians, I'll go to 1 Corinthians. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians. I don't know why you guys are over there, 2 Corinthians. Please pay attention. I'm trying to help you here today. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, it says this. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive of his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every, man, every man's work shall be made manifest. The day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall not be burned, he shall suffer loss. He, but he himself, shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So we see that there is a choice for every believer. You can build on eternal things, and you can build silver, gold, and precious stones, 
or you can build upon natural things. Everything has to do with today, bigger, better, doing this has to do with you, but that's going to be burned up. Now, it's up to you what you build, and it's up to you to what you lay on your foundation, but every man has a choice. You can build up on temporal things, or you can build up on eternal things. Now, we have to understand that we're going to give an account of that right when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's where the judgment of fire takes place. It is the fire that cleanses the church. But if those things are burned up that you have built on, you'll have nothing to be rewarded for. Amen? Now, you aren't working for your salvation, but you are working for rewards. Now, I didn't write this. Right here, it said it. You're, you're working for rewards. Oh, I just nothing about works. Listen to me. Salvation is everything about works. Do good works that they may know that you are of your Father which is in heaven. Let good works silence the accusations of those that are opposed to God. Let good works pierce them and bring them to repentance that do not know God. Let your good works and your good deeds show forth your surrender to God your Father. Listen, your works determine who you belong to. Remember the works of the flesh? You do those works, you belong to the devil. Do works of the Spirit, you belong to God. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so each man is going to be judged by his works. You remember the talent? You take one gets ten, one gets five, and one gets one. The man that doesn't do anything with one, Jesus says, that's okay, that's okay. We love you all. We have no losers in the kingdom. No, that's in perverted America. No, we got winners and losers every time. Phyllis lost and I won. She married me, <laughs> didn't get much. I married her, got a whole bag of problems. I got, I got plenty. Now, look, I'm kidding. Now, so in this world, in the kingdom that we're in, God holds you responsible to what you can do. God holds you responsible with what the gifts that he has given you. Amen? Absolutely. Now, let's go back to Revelations, and let's look at Revelations 2.10, I believe it is. Well, before we go to that, go to a 2.7. And it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit it's, it saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. The word overcome simply means that he that resists, he that perseveres, he that holds up under pressure, he that knows to do good and does not forsake it, he that is faithful until his course has ended. That's what it means. But he... Uh, Ear to what the Spirit saith to the churches, to him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of Is that a reward? To him that overcometh. How about to those that don't overcome? 
Well, I believe once saved, always saved. <laughs> well, you'd be watching me eat. Here it says that if you overcome, persevere, quit wussing out and wimping out. We are half-pound hot dogs. We are not little Vienna sausages. I don't even know why they make them hot. People pull in to give me a foot-long hot dog. All they did was take a big hot dog and roll it till it got longer. You tell me a foot-long hot dog, I want meat in the bun, not just stretched skin. Phyllis don't buy me quarter-pounders. She buys me half-pounders. Why? Because I'm a man. I ain't no Vienna sausage guy. Come on. I've got hair on my chest. Well, I did have it. fell down. It's on my toes now. But I used to have a couple hairs on my chest. Listen, we need to quit being whiners and complainers in the church. Jesus knows you're going through hardship. Jesus knows the devil's attacking you. Some of you are going to be delivered up. Some of you are going to die. Get over it. We're going to heaven. Hallelujah. What, what do you got to lose? Nothing, praise God. Hallelujah. Then it says, so you overcome, you get eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, let's go down to verse uh, 8, I mean verse 10, and it says, Fear not those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall uh, cast some of you into prison, and that ye may be tried, and that ye shall have tribulation ten days, and be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown, somebody say a crown, a crown of life. So there is a, a tree of life that we get to eat of. Not everybody's going to eat of it. Oh, I just think God's not a respected person. He's not. If you work hard, you get to eat. If you don't, you don't get to eat. Not a respected person. You've got to meet the criteria. I am so tired of just, you know, everybody having to be like us to encourage them to stay saved and come to church. You ought to be man enough, strong enough to come to church. Nobody told me to quit fornicating. When I got saved, I quit fornicating. I just knew I shouldn't do it. Why? I figured God wouldn't. So I'm not going to. Amen? And then I realized I need to quit smoking. I quit smoking. I just automatically quit cussing. I mean, I, I wasn't a, an educated guy, but I wasn't dumb enough to think that that was a heavenly language. Come on. Listen, we need to stop and we need to start talking holy, righteous. Amen. We need to start talking like we're citizens of heaven. But there is a crown of life. Somebody say a crown of life. That's found here in Revelations. Is also found in uh, James 1.12. And then there is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Could I have that on the screen? This is a crown of rejoicing. And if you don't have a crown of rejoicing, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to have a, a crown of what? Sorrow. <laughs> what? For what is our hope and joy crown of rejoicing watch this watch this are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ you know who the crown of rejoicing belongs to soul winners 
Look what it said. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord at his coming? You know people that you win to Christ make up your crown of rejoicing? How many rejoiceless Christians are going to be in heaven? Just think about it. When they say, all soul winners in line B, you'll be standing there, and if you're in the midst of soul winners, you'll be the only one left. They'll say, come on. you say, no, no, they, they all went to hell. I, I didn't go after them. Oh, okay. I don't know how you're going to feel, but it's not going to be good. You need to have a crown of rejoicing. Then let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Wow. It is a crown that is imperishable. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. These are rewards that you and I as Christians are going to get when we get to heaven. Jesus is revealing this to us in the church. Why? It's a motivation. Work while it is day, for night comes when no man's going to be able to work. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but everybody gets a part of the crown. How many? Wow. If I was you and I was out there winning souls with a bunch of people, I'd be pushing the other people away from the person I was going to soul win. And then if you couldn't do it, you can invite them to come in. If they wouldn't get saved, then let them have their chance. But I'd be tripping the people. They, because only one's going to get the prize. One's going to get the prize. So run. Run that you may what? Obtain. Let's go to the next verse. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, next verse, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, least by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Should be a castaway. A holy life, not just a moral life, a holy life, is the basis of an incorruptible crown. And if not, the outcome of that is a castaway. A castaway. That's not good. Amen? Let's go to 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8. A crown of righteousness. Man, a crown of righteousness. Hallelujah. And it says, but watch thou in all things. Endure, endure. Don't backslide. Don't cave in. Don't whine. Don't complain. Don't get mad. In afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, because I have kept the faith, been faithful, fought a good fight, there is laid up for me a crown of what? Righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me, shall give me. What an awesome day that you walk up and Jesus declares faithful. Faithful. You have endured. 
You are not of the whiny crowd. Come. And he puts a crown on your head. I, man, I don't know what that's going to feel like. Hallelujah. And not only to me, but unto all them that love his appearing. His appearing. Let's go to 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4. Hallelujah. Remember, we aren't talking about working for salvation. We are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But, you know, there were boasters in the Bible. James said, you have faith? Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by works. Works. By works. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. Now, not by constraint, but, willing, but willingly, not to for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but as being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's when he appears and the church is caught away, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Five crowns that the believer can receive. Five crowns that you and I can be crowned with. The question is, will we work for the crowns? And then it says this. I'm going to quickly close with this. And you look down in verse 11. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. What is the second death? Well, let's turn to Revelation, the 20th chapter. And it's verse 11. Revelations 20, 11. The first death that every man experiences is the death or the wages of sin. Now, that is not incorporated into someone's life until they come to the age of accountability. Some say it's 12, some say it's 13. God knows which ones are able to comprehend and those that aren't. But once they become aware, then the law convicts them as being a sinner. Let me tell you a little story. There was a little boy brought here when he was just a child. He was... uh, What do you call that, a mongoloid? I think he was a mongoloid child. And they brought him. He was about a year old. They said, Pastor, would you pray for him? So we prayed for him. They brought him back about two or three years later, and his face features had changed, and his mind had become alert. And uh, then, about a year ago, they brought him into my office. said, Pastor... He wants to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And uh, so we thought that it would just be right if you led him to the Lord. So we talked to him about the Lord, and sure enough, he could tell you the whole story of salvation. He was doing great. And in my office, he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Got saved right there. Now, that was accounted unto him at God's discretion when he was old enough to understand 
But when people come to the age of accountability, Romans 3.23 and Romans uh, uh, 6.23 says that the wages of sin are what? Death. What is death? Death is not just dying and leaving the body. That is one. That is physical death. The spirit and the soul leave the body. They are eternally joined together. The soul and the spirit are eternally joined together. Where your spirit goes, your soul is going to go. And where your spirit is, your soul is going to be. Where your spirit is and your soul is going to be, so is your body going to be. And whether it's in eternity, in hell, like the rich man in Luke 6, 19 on down, all your senses are going to be there. You're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to hear. You're going to be able to converse. But you're hopelessly separated from God. Now, the physical death is that when the spirit and soul leave the body, James. But then spiritual death is that separation from man, from God, because of man's transgressions. The Bible says that we were dead in our sins. Ephesians 2 on down to Ephesians 2, 8 tells we were separated from uh, God. We were dead in our sins, but by grace we are saved. Not of works, least any man should boast. But then when a man comes to Christ and receives Jesus as his personal Savior, he receives eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. That person is born again. Now we have eternal life. But then there is a second death. And if you look at uh, Revelations, and let's look at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. Now realize that all the dead in Christ have been raised. When Jesus comes back, the, those that are dead in Christ before the great tribulation, seven years before Jesus sets up his throne in the millennium, all the church, those that are dead in Christ, shall rise first. But then when Jesus comes back again, those that have been killed in tribulation and so forth, their bodies are resurrected. Now the ones that weren't killed are alive, and they will repopulate the earth for that thousand years. Now... So during that time, everybody's been raised from the dead. There's only one sect of people that have not been raised from the dead, sinners. Sinners have never been raised. They are raised and they appear before the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell were delivered up to the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now notice that those that are kept in hell right now, hell is only a holding place. It is where the worm dieth not. Men and women are tortured, screaming, weeping. You, you can't even imagine it. But that's where they're being held. But hell and death itself will be thrown into a lake of fire. 
the lesser will be consumed by the greater. Now the rich man said, there is no place that you can pass from me to you or from you to me. Listen, purgatory is a lying myth. It is not true. It deceives, it destroys, it steals the people's money, it charges for something that any ordinary person would do, pray. The other thing is they give you false hope. Look, that wretched dog is not coming out of purgatory. If he went to hell with sin, he's going to be in hell forever. You say, oh, what is my hope? Get saved today. The basis of purgatory is God so loved the world. Get a Catholic Bible. Just get one of their brochures. It'll tell you. Oh, well, God so loved the world. So the old thing is God wouldn't send anybody to hell because he loves them. Tell that to the rich man. You know, your theology got to be smarter than the guy that's in hell. <laughs> Duh. You know, lying and taking people's money and conniving them, giving them hope, hope where there is no hope. No, your hope is in Christ Jesus, the anchor, the rock of our salvation. And without Christ, there is no hope. And if you make it to hell, friend, don't bank on mama buying your way out. Hallelujah. And so then, it says that they were cast into the lake of fire. That is the second death. People that are born again that go and appear before the judgment seat of Christ, they don't experience a second death. It has no power over them. Revelations 2.17 says that we will eat of the hidden manna. Wow, there's bread that nobody has ever ate of until we get there. Revelations 2.26 says that we are going to have power over nations, those that overcome. Verse 29 says that we are going to see and be a part of the morning star. Then it also says in Revelation 3, 4, those that overcome will walk with Jesus. And it says, and they that walk with Jesus will have white raiments. And then it says this, and there is a name that will be written in the book of life. Your name will be there. Jesus will confess your name before the Father and before the angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says that in Revelation 3.12 that when you overcome, you will be pillars in the temple of God. And then it says when you get to heaven and you overcome that God will reach down and pick up a rock. And on that rock is written a name that is known by no one but God himself. And he will give it to you. Call it American Express Platinum. Whatever you want to call it. But when you come up, angels, who are you? Oh, he's been waiting. Will always be on his mind. There's a new name for you and I. Hallelujah. I would like to see 
my name. I want to see my stone. I want to see my father. I want to hear when Jesus steps out of the city of the north where God is seated, steps out of the throne room, and he begins to declare my new name throughout heaven. Angels of God, hear this day. The man of faithfulness, he that hath overcome, he that hath lived for God, he that may have shed his blood, he that may have given his life for my name, he that has not confessed or bowed his knee to any other God, he that has run the race, kept the faith, and finished the course, I give unto thee an eternal son of the eternal Father. And my name will ring. I'm getting... Oh, it'll be a whole lot higher than that. <laughs> you seen them wings that go like this on them people that run or on flash? <laughs> That'll be me. And God's going to announce my name. I'm, I, maybe I'll get to pick it out. Peter, my most beloved favor, highly exalted. He that I could not wait to see. My most favorite one is here. Now, see. The Bible says that they that overcome, Jesus will say, come and sit here with me. Some of us better lose a few pounds. Could you move over a little bit, Jesus? Oh, my God, I didn't know you were blessed that much. No. It's a place prepared just for me. I'll sit down and i say, Did you see my new name? I wrote it. Father and I had it prepared. What do you think of it? Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. I want to overcome. Amen. There are rewards of those that overcome. Smyrna had nothing except tribulation from the inside and the outside. But they stayed faithful. And Jesus begins to unveil the crowns of the believer. Hallelujah. What a glorious day that is going to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, you called the church to repentance. Today, God, not only are you calling the church, but you're calling every sinner, every backslider. Do your first works over. Sinner, hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say. He would say, today is the day of salvation. Turn not a deaf ear. Harden not your heart. For this is the day that the Lord hath made, and this is the day of your salvation. If you're here today, 
and you know that you're not a Christian. You're just not ready to go to heaven. And if Jesus would return, you would find yourself marked with those that belong to the synagogue of Satan. You've been influenced. You've been drawn away. You've been in prison. You've, you, you've just got off course. And those of you that do not know Jesus Christ, Jesus said, though you're dead in your sins, if you'll come to me, I will forgive you and I will save you. And you shall be raised from the dead. In other words, you'll come out of sin's bondage. If you're here today and you're ready to do your works, first works over, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, this is the time right now. I want everybody to stand your feet and those of you that are not saved, not ready for heaven, I want you to quickly get down here right now. Get out of the aisle. Get, get out of your seat. Get in the aisle. Come on down here right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we play something, guys? Hallelujah. Right now, wherever you are, you're here today and you're not a Christian. You're here today. You're a backslider. You're not ready for God. It's time to get it right. Come on. God's giving you a second chance. Tomorrow may be too late. But today is right on time. Anybody that says, you know what, Pastor? I'm not a Christian. And I'm, I'm, I admit it. Hallelujah. I'm not saved. Anybody. All right. Here comes one. Who else? Come on. Don't leave, the, don't leave the house. God's grace is here and His love is here. He's here to set you free wherever you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? What's your name, sir? Kenny? Kenny, I want to tell you something. From this day forward, after we pray this prayer, we are never going to remember your past. Doesn't matter what you did. Today, Kenny, God is going to forgive you, and we as a church are granting you absolution. In other words, your past is dead. Now, in the same case, Kenny, you have a responsibility. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Get yourself into this church. Get yourself into a church where people love you. Get yourself under a pastor that's going to preach to you. Get yourself connected with God, okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, both of you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe that he is Lord. I now confess him as Lord of my life. Come into my heart, Jesus. I receive you now as you have died for me. I will now live for you. From this moment on, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Now I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gerald, can you give them a little book on how to be a Christian and that? You go with Gerald, you, and he'll bring you right back. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, glory. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Only by your blood and your spirit, God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Well, they tell me today is membership Sunday. I should have preached. Bless me, bless me. Hallelujah. Not really. Not really. Hallelujah. The Word of God is the Word of God. Amen. We need not shun what Jesus has said to us, but thank God He's there having somebody herald us out of the depths of darkness and deception into His glorious light. So if you're here today, whether you're single, whether you're uh, married, or whatever it might be, if you are here today and you say, this is the day that I'm becoming a part of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, you believe that God wants you here, that this is going to be a place where you're going to hold your membership, then please step out of the aisle, come on down here, and Phyllis and I want to pray with you. And uh, praise God, we want to bless you, and we want to see what you look like up close. That was a mistake I made with you. I married you afar off. Not really. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Anyone else? People headed for the chicken bar. I think they'll come for membership. They're headed for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hallelujah. Here comes another one. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Congratulations. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Congratulations, guys. Hallelujah. You know, Phyllis and I have one goal. And that's to make sure that you make heaven. Our second goal is that we make heaven. And our third goal is we want to be the greatest pastors that we possibly can be. And we're going to preach the truth, not going to back up. We're always going to have a good report because we just don't do nothing that brings a bad one. They can talk about us, but it always comes out in the end. I remember one time you left me with, with millions of dollars and went to Mexico. I said, that's a lie. I would have went with her. Why would I? I wouldn't have let her God out of here. Praise God. Come down, guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How you doing, young lady? How you doing, young man? Praise God. Hallelujah. So we are going to pray that God will help us be better pastors because I want you to do all that God wants you to do. If I can make you an evangelist, a pastor, a preacher, I'm going to be successful. If I can make you a light of the world, I'm going to be successful. And if we can make you, as lights of the world, pillars in your community, then we'll be successful. If Jesus is glorified in your life, then we have obtained our goal. And that's all we want to do. I want nothing else in life. Amen. Let's pray, fellow. Father, in the name of Jesus, Phyllis and I come together. God, we represent this group or assembly of believers. And God, we accept this opportunity to extend fellowship membership to these people. Now, God, touch Phyllis and I that we will be better pastors than we've ever been. Quicken our mind. Give us, God, a word for their life and for their seasons. God, we ask that, God, we would be better than we've ever been. Give us a greater desire, God, that these people will be successful in you, that they will live by faith, they will please you, God, and that, God, they will be presentable, a church without spot and without blemish. Now, God, the blessing that is on this house, let it come up on them. 
let their faith begin to build and expand God and father use them for your glory in Jesus name and let this house God embrace them and let them embrace their house and God we thank you for it in Jesus mighty name amen and amen praise God hallelujah can you take them Phyllis and I'll be right back hallelujah praise God somebody lift your hands up towards heaven Jesus we, I see like a growth or a, I don't know if it's a boil I really don't know what it is uh, I don't know maybe it's a swollen gland under somebody's a right armpit and uh, in the name of Jesus I curse that thing I commanded to die in Jesus Christ's name amen and amen now God I lose blessing upon your people You've called them out. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them priests. You've made them kings. And God, I ask that you, that have clothed them and surrounded them with a garment of favor, would direct their path. God, lead them by your spirit. Use them in the gifts of the spirit. God, lead them into places where people need to hear the gospel. Give them wisdom and understanding and favor, God. Prosper and keep them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.